0: or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage no matter what stage you're in Shopify's there to help you grow sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer all lowercase that's shopify.com slash special offer another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear? check breakfast, lunch and dinner? check And this is Bones bringing the packs of F3 Nation the latest strategies and tips to accelerate their king and optimize their queen. Health is a journey and requires you to take a proactive approach on a daily basis. Knowing exactly what to do and how to do it will help you achieve it faster. Each week we are going to be interviewing the leading health and wellness experts sharing inspiring stories from the packs and diving into the latest research to help you optimize your health. So get ready as we embark on your hunt for wellness. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Hunt for Wellness podcast. This is Dr. Tunis Hunt, otherwise known as Bones in the Gloom. And folks, I'm super excited about our show today. Um, I'm going to share some information that uh, is really kind of true and dear to my heart here of late. And as many of you guys know, I am a constant learner of health and nutrition, and I'm always looking for ways to improve my own health. And that's really kind of what spurs... A lot of the stuff that I get to share and, and I'm passionate about with my patients and colleagues and and certainly uh, on this platform as well as kind of ser- or sharing tips and, and, and whatever on, on other platforms as well. But I wanted to talk about a subject that I think a lot of you are interested in. And I say that because I get a lot of questions surrounding that, but I wanted to talk about muscle building. How do we build muscles? Why building muscle is really a primary goal, um, or it should be a primary goal of yours, if true and optimal longevity and health is your goal. I think a lot of times when we think of health and longevity and, and wellness, uh, th- there's a lot of things that come to mind. We think about uh, energy and we think about fat loss and we talk about ideal weight and eating more vegetables and all these other factors that uh, are kind of get put out there in mainstream media as far as strategies to better health. And what's typically not discussed as often or certainly not in a context of optimal health is muscle building. Um, Unless you are someone who is dedicated to muscle building or a bodybuilder or something like that, usually this is something that isn't on the forefront of what your strategy is when it comes to getting in optimal shape. And so I I, want to share some information around that and hopefully maybe kind of give you some information that will help you maybe look at this in a different light because I certainly have um, as a result of looking into it and really kind of being introduced to this concept of what we call muscle-centric health. And that is a term that uh, I can credit to a doctor named Donald Lehman. He's a research scientist, um, I think out of the University of Illinois, but he does some really interesting research around muscle building or muscle synthesis and the health benefits and the health promoting factors that it provides. So obviously there's the thought or, or the obvious benefit, of course, of, of building muscle is physique. And I think a lot of times people think of that as the only um, benefit of gaining muscle. And, and if you're a female, for instance, sometimes you don't want to gain muscle. You don't want to look like a quote unquote bodybuilder. And even men, I know, talk about, oh, I don't want to look like a meathead or whatever. And you know, the reality is this, we all need to gain muscle. And when we're not gaining muscle, we're losing muscle. And losing muscle is more detrimental to your health in the long run than most people imagine. And, you know, a quick note to to look like those massive gains, bodybuilder guys, for the most part, uh, you're going to have to do something intentional to gain that kind of muscle, um, whether it's steroid use or really over supplementation or really kind of a dedicated aspect of life to a gym. Most of us, if we're just looking for functionality, are never going to gain that or look like that, but in fact, really kind of incorporate that fitness look that most of us are attracted to and want to gain when we have this what we call muscle-centric idea when it comes around health. So, just generally speaking in our country we're fat we're obese i think about 60% of our population is overweight or obese and despite billions of dollars spent every single year on the on the wellness or weight loss industry we're getting fatter and fatter and if you've been around the block at least today you all will probably agree with me that the most of the messaging out there is low fat low calorie burn fat Um, more cardio, uh, really rhetoric and narrative as far as what is necessary to achieve ideal and optimal weight. And despite that recommendation and millions of people prescribing to it, rarely do we see as a population us move in the right direction. So you have to scratch your head and say, well, why is that? Why aren't we achieving those goals? And it's because it's really, in my opinion, now that looking at some of this research, is the wrong approach. It, it really is uh, the wrong um, perspective to put it in. When we calorie count or caloric restrict, um, yes, we can burn fat and yes, we can lose weight, but it usually comes at a cost. And that cost typically is muscle. And as we reduce that caloric intake, our body has to sustain life. Uh, There's something called the basal metabolic rate, and that is the baseline rate that our body has to have to function, to do what it needs to do. And so it gets that really from a sustainable standpoint from the calories we consume on a daily basis. That's the purpose of food. That's why we feed ourselves. If you think about fuel, that's what we're doing. We're eating. We're, we're putting fuel in our system. And when we do that, it provides the nutrients and the minerals and the and, and, and the vitamins that our body needs to, to run these processes. Well, when we start calorie counting or caloric restricting, well, in order for the body to continue to process, it's got to do or find that energy source. And so what it does, it becomes part of this, it it turns into what they call a catabolic state or a, a breakdown state. And so they will start to look for these resources in our bodies and our bodies are amazing and they're well adaptive. And we store all types of goodies in our bodies in the form of glycogen and fat and so forth. And And so what the body will do when it has a caloric deficit is it will start to break down things in the body in order to get energy. Now, most of us want to think that that's fat and that's how we lose fat and that's why we want to do that. And that does occur. Um, So I don't want to say that that doesn't occur, but what also occurs and more prevalently occurs and certainly occurs initially is muscle breakdown because it's an easy source. The body will break down protein or the protein in muscle uh, and, and repurpose it for the purposes of creating energy. And so we lose muscle mass when we caloric restrict. Yes, the scale goes down. Yes, we might lose some fat, but let's just be honest with ourselves. Most of us have tried a caloric restrictive diet in the past, have done, cal- uh, calorie counting, whatever you want to call it, may have even achieved a weight loss goal only to see that weight loss goal, um, evaporate. When we stop doing the caloric restriction or calorie counting, um, we not only gain the weight back, but in many, many cases, we regain more weight than we initially tried to lose. And we call that and term that yo-yo dieting. And, And that is the epidemic in our society. As we count calories, we restrict ourselves, we make our lives miserable for 60, 90, 120 days, lose a little bit of weight only to find ourselves back to where we started, you know, several months later. So what if we took a different strategy? What instead of uh, counting calories, being caloric restrictive, um, not having any fun in life, we took a different perspective and said, instead of losing or burning fat, why don't I concentrate on gaining muscle? Because when I gain muscle, the opposite of facts uh, 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 happens, you know, instead of Decreasing my metabolic rate instead of losing muscle, I'm adding muscle, which then adds metabolic rate or adds to my metabolic rate, which means that my body at rest burns more calories so that when I do consume foods or when I indulge or I do less activity, i.e. don't exercise or something, um, I'm not going to gain weight right back because my body's natural burn rate is higher. And we've talked about this a little bit on a previous podcast when we talked about set point and kind of what the body needs in order to function and and how to reset that set point and some of the strategies around losing weight too fast or the caloric restrictive mindset. And this is a nice way of approaching it the other direction. So this muscle-centric health or adding muscle. So hopefully that perks your ears and attention. So if you're somebody who wants to gain muscle, if you're somebody who wants to burn fat and keep fat off, this is going to be a subject that you want to pay attention to because this is going to give you sustainable, in my opinion, metabolic change, which is what we all ultimately, I think, want when we're looking for longevity and health. Because as we age, we lose protein. We lose muscle um, just as a as a process of aging so in our teens and our 20s we're in this anabolic state where we're adding muscle we're adding strength but that flips the switch as soon as we hit our 30s uh, late 30s for certain and certainly in our 40s and above we become muscle wasting we lose muscle unless we're intentional about gaining it or, or maintaining it and that, in, in 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 turn reduces that metabolic rate and why a lot of times what we got away with in our twenties and our teens as far as diet and lack of exercise or lifestyle catches up with us when we start to get in our 30s and our 40s because that natural decrease that happens as a result of just aging and losing that muscle mass. So just to be healthy you want to retain muscle but like i mentioned already to really optimize your health actually being intentional about gaining muscle or muscle synthesis is where it's at every day our body requires energy every day our body is constantly turning over what they term our cells cells constantly die they're constantly rebuilt Um, they're constantly being changed and depending on what cell and where it's in the body uh, it's done at a different rate so some cells are done you know daily some are done quarterly some are done a little bit longer than that Um, but in any case it's constantly changing and it is estimated that our bodies need uh, or replaces 250 to 450 grams of protein in our body on a daily basis so Think about that for a second. That means every single day our body is constantly in need of protein. Now, some of it comes from our diet, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today and why that's important, but a lot of it does come from inside the body. I talked about how the body will break down things in the system and rebuild back up, and that's exactly what happens. So throughout our day, on a daily basis, our body is constantly in need of tearing down and rebuilding protein or this protein turnover. So hence, if you're not adding protein to your diet, you are already setting yourself up for failure in this mechanism. Certainly you can get away with it for a short amount of time, but those of you who are really restrictive on protein or avoid it, um, this is where you get in trouble. These processes in our body absolutely um, need protein. And around that 250 to 450 grams of it on a daily basis. So we need that. Protein is also used for a a bunch of other things. It's used to create our hormones. It's used to create neurotransmitters. Um, We need it for energy. I think about 20 to 40 grams um, daily uh, as far as protein just to kind of sustain life. So I'm not even talking about if you exercise or you do some of these other factors that kind of require additional protein. Just to sustain life, you need, you need this much. And so again, if you're really um, reducing protein, then um, you're not probably functioning at the highest level as you could. Other benefits of protein or adding protein in the diet is it decreases cravings, uh, decreases appetite, uh, it increases metabolism. So when we eat food, our body has to do something with it. Uh, You know, when we eat food, we eat it in a macronutrient form. We think about proteins and carbohydrates and fats. Well, the body can't use it in that form. What it has to do is it has to break it down into its simple building blocks, take those building blocks and reconfigure things or take them to processes and enzymes uh, that the body needs. And so the act of doing that, of of taking what your body consumes and using it for energy, it's called the thermic effect. And what we know is that protein has a higher thermic effect than carbohydrates and fats. And so what does that mean? That means if... um, And and so just to put that in ratio, so protein's about 20 to 30% thermic effect, whereas carbs is about 5 to 10, and fat's about 3. So if we took 100 calories, for instance, of a substance, if I ate 100 calories of protein, it would require 20 to 30% of that 100 calories just to burn or process that protein. So my body would have to exert 20 or 30% of that just to process it versus in a carbohydrate or fat, it may only need about 5% or 3%. So you can see that much more of those calories are stored with carbs and fat than it is with protein. So we get this thermic effect as a result of eating food and protein um, is more than the others. So we actually burn more energy eating protein than we do when we eat carbohydrates or fats. You you may have even heard that term, the meat sweats. Well, they're real. So we're eating a lot heavy. If you've ever eaten a heavy, heavy protein meal and you got that thermic effect, that meat sweat, that's what's going on. Your body's just exerting more energy to digest that food than it is when you're getting those simple carbohydrates or or even fats. And so there's a time and place for those style of foods. And I'm not saying you don't eat them or shouldn't eat them. I'm just pointing out the fact that when we have a protein centric diet, you're actually requiring your body to burn more energy to digest that food and therefore reduce the opportunity for stored energy or fat. Um, than if you have a higher fat or higher carbohydrate diet and low protein diet. So anyway, um, that's how it helps with increased weight loss and then certainly um, increased muscle mass, which is what we want to talk about. You know, so if we want to build muscle, we must do the things that create more muscle. Uh, the, the, from an exercise standpoint, that is resistance training. That is lifting heavy stuff. And I've shared this before, and I've certainly mentioned it on other podcasts about the importance, especially as men, to build muscle and to lift heavy things. I believe we were designed to do just that, and that most of us don't do it enough. So uh, one of the things that you're going to want to make sure that you're doing is lifting heavy things. You know, if you're a runner and you love running long distances and you love, you know, boot camps, um you know, that are higher intensity as far as uh, aerobic and and moving around. I'm not saying you can't do those things. I'm just suggesting that in addition to, you're going to want to spend a couple days a week um, with the mindset of building muscle or lifting heavier things. So in the gloom, that can be as simple as sandbags or rucksacks or kettlebells. Um, You know, you can get real creative, cinder blocks, whatever you want to use. Um, or, you know, supplement your F3 workouts with gym, you know, go to the gym uh, where you have access or a home gym or something. You have heavy things to lift. Um, and, and I think that's important because that's important as far as, you know, retraining uh, their neurological pathway to those muscles that recruit more muscle spindles. That's how you get stronger, as well as kind of breaking down that muscle a little bit so that it can be uh, repaired and strengthened. So resistance training. And so the other piece of the puzzle is you got to eat the right things. And I've already alluded to the building blocks of protein, which, or excuse me, muscle is is protein. So you got to eat protein. Now, not all protein is created equal. And so I'm going to apologize in advance. Um, I don't want to ruffle too many feathers, but uh, to my vegetarian, vegan brothers and friends, um, you know, I, I personally believe that it's difficult to get adequate amounts of protein just practicing that lifestyle. Okay, there I said it. Um, I'm not against eating plants. I'm not against eating vegetables and, and fruit. Uh, in fact, uh, I advocate um, that it could be and should be part of a, a balanced diet. But what I am suggesting is if you're avoiding animal protein, then you are going to struggle to get, in my opinion, the adequate amount of the building block necessary to to transform your your body and and to um, really build muscle. Now, I understand there's protein sources in non-animal-based products. I get that. What we have to evaluate, though, is exactly what are you getting in those products in In comparison to what you're getting in an animal product so when we think about proteins you have to understand the protein building blocks and the protein building blocks is something called amino acids and there are 20 amino acids that um, are part of protein uh, molecule and those amino acids are broken down in the digestive system and then used by the body for different processes. And part of that is muscle synthesis or muscle building, other words for energy, other it's for hormones, you name it, those amino acids are used. So there's 20. Nine of them are essential, meaning that the body cannot make it or, 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 or achieve adequate levels on its own. It has to get it from a dietary source and so what that means is foods that contain the nine essential amino acids become very important when it comes to the building blocks of our health and, and of protein and what we know is animal protein is exactly that it is the most similar to the protein found in our body you know who knew we're animals there we eat animals it's like eat like and so those nine essential uh, amino acids are there in animal sourced protein so we don't have to worry about that when we eat animal based stuff having said that unfortunately we're not plants so that when we eat plants even with the amino acids m- many times you're not getting adequate sources of the essential amino acids when it comes to plant-based so um, you know the 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 biggest ones um as far as concern when it comes to plant-based protein is methionine lysine leucine and tryptophan those are part of the amino acids that are deficient in many of the plant-based products or protein including soy or soy-based powders um, and why um, it typically isn't as advantageous to consume only those products in comparison to a um, meat or animal-based protein product so you have to be very careful if that is something you're doing if you're avoiding all meat If you're a vegetarian or vegan, you're going to have to be very creative about getting all those essential amino acids. In addition to that, not only getting them, but getting them in correct ratios. So that's the other half of the equation, because even if a product has it, so um, on the spectrum, soy, soybean, for instance, um, is kind of the closest thing to meat or animal product that uh, the plant world has when it comes to these nine essential amino acids as far as um, the quantity in them. But having said that, you still need more of that to get the same amount that you would from an animal-based product. So, uh, for instance, and and we'll talk about this thing called leucine in a minute, Um, to get adequate amount of leucine, for instance, you need 23 grams of whey versus 37 grams of soy to get the same amount. So you can see that a lot of times you have to consume much more calories of the plant-based product to get the same amount of protein or amino acid substance as you're going to get from a um, animal based uh, product. Uh, What one example I've found is that for instance, you know, the, Something very popular now that's coming out is these um, uh, plant-based meats, you know these these fake meats, if you will, Impossible, Burger and Beyond meat. Uh, and, and so, what 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 they're failing to tell you is just a it doesn't have the same complex, but more importantly, it's got a lot more sodium, and it's got a lot more calories to to achieve the same thing that an actual burger or red meat would accomplish. So, um, for instance, Impossible Foods Burger contains 370 milligrams of sodium and 240 calories, Uh, Beyond Meat's burger contains 390 milligrams of sodium and 250 calories, and then if you compare that to a 90% lean beef burger of the same size, the plant-based burgers have an average of almost 25% more calories and an increase in sodium more than 400%. You know, frankly, to make non-meat taste good and taste like meat, you got to salt it up and you got to add sodium to it, and I think that's what... Is happening here. So, again, I'm not saying you can't have that stuff. I'm just pointing out that if you are truly interested in building muscle and getting adequate, good protein sources with the nine essential amino acids, then the animal source of protein is superior. So, on that note, when we're talking about protein synthesis, this is where some of the work of Donald Lehman comes in. They discovered that out of these amino acids, that certain amino acids were more prominent when it comes to building muscle. So again, if our goal is to build muscle, we want to do the strategies to do just that. And out of the amino acids, there are three that are considered what they call branched chain amino acids. That's leucine, isoleucine, and valine. And they are more prevalent or, or more um, uh, important, I guess, rather, uh, in that muscle protein synthesis. And out of those, leucine is the number one importance because it is the thing that kind of turns the key on or turns the, the, the muscle production on. So without leucine, you can eat all these other essential amino acids. You can eat all this other stuff, but it's not going to stimulate muscle Um, uh, synthesis. So that's why it's so important and why you'll see people uh, supplement with amino acid supplements or more specifically branched chain amino acids and then making sure that they're getting leucine. So what his research showed is that it takes about 2.5 to 3 grams of leucine uh, in the bloodstream to stimulate this uh, protein synthesis or Uh, another term that's thrown around is something called mTOR. And mTOR, uh, you know, not to get too far in the weeds, is like this protein kinase, which means it's an enzyme that modifies other proteins. In other words, it's like what makes the muscle decide to produce more muscle or not. And um, mTOR stands for mechanistic target of rapamycin. And again, not to get in Too much of the weeds. They really kind of determine that mTOR can be good, it can be bad. It's really kind of this central processing thing that kind of takes information into the cell and determines what to do with it. Well, in any case, when it comes to building muscle, it needs about 2.5 to 3 grams of leucine in order to be stimulated. So, what that means is if I or you or whomever is consuming protein. And we're not getting the threshold of at least 2.5 to 3 grams of leucine at a single time at a meal. We're not going to stimulate protein synthesis, and that's you know and, that, and that's really important to to know because you know you can eat protein and you can quote unquote think that you're doing all the right things, but if you're not getting that level, then you're not really getting. Um, you know, the results that you're looking for. Leucine also triggers insulin production, you know, uh, as far as kind of stimulating the, the sugar in the blood. It activates uh, regulatory protein uh, to construct new muscle proteins. We kind of talked about this uh, a second ago. And then it signals the use of fatty acids to create energy for new muscle production. So as you can see, it's kind of um, important all, all across the board there. Now, leucine is approximately 8 to 10% of uh, total protein. So in order to get that 2.5 to 3 grams of it, I need to eat or you need to consume approximately 30 grams of protein to stimulate muscle synthesis. So let me repeat that leucine, which is in the important building block or or the igniter, if you will, of protein synthesis or or muscle building. um, You need about 2.5 and 3 grams of that. And because it's about 8 to 10% of the protein molecule, if you do the math, you need about 30 grams of protein at a given meal or a given time to stimulate uh, muscle synthesis. So if you are not consuming a meal with at least around 30 grams of protein, you are not stimulating muscle synthesis. So, if muscle building is a goal of yours, if you want, or if you're adapting this mindset that building muscle is healthy and important, and you want to continue to do that, then you have to have a strategy in place where you're consuming protein, and more specifically, at least around 30 grams of protein at least one time a day, if not two times, maybe three times a day. So, um, again, like I mentioned earlier, if you are a protein restrictive diet, it's going to be very difficult for you to do this. In addition to what I mentioned about plant-based protein, you're going to need a whole lot more plant-based protein to, to um, get the same benefits of eating uh a lesser caloric intake of animal protein to get the same, to get the same, um, benefit amino acids. Once you eat them, uh, stay in the blood approximately about five hours. Uh, and muscle synthesis, uh, occurs, you know, for a couple hours after you eat. So if I eat a meal at noon with 30 grams of protein, um, for the next few hours, my body will be in that muscle building or, anabolic, um, mode of, of building muscle. And then it starts to go away and then I am no longer in that mode and I'm no longer building muscle. And this is why, um, a lot of bodybuilders and physique models and whomever advocate advocate for multiple many, many meals throughout the day, uh, many little protein meals, I guess, throughout the day to kind of every few hours to continually keep that Anabolic rate or that muscle synthesis rate up, so I mean take that with a grain of salt. Um, you know we've talked about intermittent fasting and there's some advantages to that, uh, and and um, you know so if that is what you're doing then obviously maybe fitting in all those meals is unrealistic, especially if you have an eat uh, eating window of only eight hours or so, or maybe you you, you know you, you fit it in somewhere else. I personally. Um, Do not eat that many times a day. As many of you know, I pretty regularly practice intermittent fasting. I will say, however, that over the last um, several weeks, I have changed my strategy a little bit. And on days where I'm really exerting my muscles or really uh, utilizing strength training, I am breaking my fast a little bit early and getting another meal in throughout my day. Um, again, a a heavier protein-centric meal so that I'm maximizing my anabolic uh, rate and and building some more muscle because that's kind of a goal of mine at this moment is to do just that. So anyway, uh, I wanted to kind of touch that because that is one of the biggest mistakes people make is they just don't eat enough protein and they don't understand why they should eat more protein. And the reason they need to eat more protein is because it is necessary to start or elicit amino or excuse me protein synthesis. Now, there are hacks to this. So let's say, um, you know, so so let me start here. The first and easiest hack to reduce the need for as much protein at a meal is to exercise. So when we exercise, we actually can reduce that threshold um, from 30 grams. Of protein or 2.5 to 3 grams of leucine, uh, you know, down to 20 to maybe even 15 grams of necessary protein after an exercise. So this is one way of still creating muscle protein synthesis and consuming less protein. So if you're somebody who's really struggling to get 30 grams of protein or for whatever reason, just can't do it, After exercise, you can get away with putting less protein in and still create that protein synthesis with the use of exercise. So that's why um, you'll see a lot of times uh, people will use supplements or whatever after exercise because they get more bang for their buck uh, after exercise um, versus at any other time of the day. But that's something that you can do to, to hack it. The other is use supplementation. So you don't have to get protein only through um, eating uh, a physical food, but you can do it through supplements. And and one popular one, and we've talked about it uh, on other shows, as well as I've mentioned it already, is amino acid supplements. So again, the amino acids are the building blocks of protein. So instead of actually eating protein or consuming protein in its whole form, you can take supplements that are designed just to have those building blocks or amino acids in them. And you can take those. That's another way of getting that. And I've shared in the past that I have often, during my fasting window, utilized an amino acid product at the uh, the back end of my exercise to stimulate that muscle synthesis without adding the calories. So um, that is one thing to do. Now, you still need the leucine. And you still need some of the other branch chains, amino acids, isoleucine and valine as well. So if you are taking or choosing an amino acid supplement make sure that those are in there as well as in the proper quantities so again you want about 2.5 to 3 grams of leucine and then the ratio that you want to look for and and what the ratio is in the body is a two to one to one ratio so two leucines to every isoleucine and valine so when you're looking at your supplement products or Uh, um, labels, make sure that you have essentially twice as much leucine in it as isoleucine and valine. Now, better products on the market have multiple amino acids, because like I said, the body requires lots of different amino acids, including the nine essential And so just putting those three back in the body, the leucine, isoleucine, and valine, can be beneficial in muscle protein synthesis in and of itself. But then there's all these other processes in the body that the body is constantly working on and improving. So if you can have a product that also has other types of amino acids in it, that is also something to look for. Other things like arginine and uh, carnitine and glutamine um, are also... uh, things that a lot of good amino acid supplements will have and then a variety of other things as well uh, so in any case um, lysine being one as well and uh, th- those are things that I would look for when you're looking for an amino acid supplement because I often get asked especially if somebody listens to this they'll they'll ask hey what what amino acid supplement product do you use so if you really want to know you can uh, email me at bones at huntforwellness.com or, or DM me on the Slack channel at bones. But uh, long story short, look for a product that has these important amino acids in them. And and, and more importantly, the ratio of leucine, isoleucine, and valine to, to one to one. And there's other good products on the market. Just kind of look for fillers and artificial colors and sweeteners and all that other stuff that you want to avoid in any product the other thing that you can do like from a supplement standpoint is to take a protein powder so protein powders are, are very common the best most complete one is a whey protein whey protein is part of the milk family from ideally i like to use one from my grass-fed cow source cows were designed to eat grass and healthier cows eat grass so They produce healthier milk and i.e. whey. So I would look for a product like that. You could use plant-based pea protein, soy protein, and that kind of stuff if you wanted to. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm not a big fan of soy. Uh, Soy, I believe, um, is not well-sourced in America uh, specifically. Uh, It's a genetically modified product. Uh, It's typically Um, it's got, uh, excuse me, um, a lot of, um, xenoestrogen properties or phytoestrogen properties, which means that it mimics estrogen in the body. And as men, we don't want a lot of that. We want testosterone and even females don't want estrogen. A lot of it, because that's what leads to these estrogen dominated cancers. So it's not, in my opinion, the best product of choice. So I'm a big whey protein fan and is what I typically will use after uh, I mentioned uh, a heavy lift uh, a day or, or something where I'm really exerting myself. I will use a whey protein powder and you don't need the 30 grams because you worked out. You can usually get away with less in the you know low twenties, mid twenties amount, uh, and still get the same benefits of, of that, um, Uh, protein synthesis uh, or muscle building synthesis of of what we got or what you need. So we talked about that you need um, protein building blocks. You need to do the activities that produce protein or build muscle, which is the resistance training. So how much protein should you be eating on a daily basis? I mentioned there's that threshold of 30 grams at a single meal, Um, but how much in a daily uh, um, amount should you have? So if you followed the the guidelines, the recommended daily allowance, they state that you need about 0. 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight. Folks, that is way too low. That was calculated and it is calculated on what is the bare necessity to survive. So. We talked about the basal metabolic rate and what your body needs on a day-to-day basis to function. That is about the bare minimum that you would need to get just to survive. Not thrive, but just to survive. So if you're only getting 0.8 grams per kilogram body weight, you're just not um, thriving. You're, You're barely maintaining. So if you want to age healthily, if you just want to, you know, continue to age and continue to be healthy as you age, you want to do at least 1.2 to 1.5 grams per kilogram of body weight. That would be the bare minimum to just be healthy, in my opinion. If you are an endurance athlete, if you're somebody who's maybe doing a little more running, maybe just posting in the gloom a few days a week, and you know you need a higher intake of protein, then I would bump it up to about 6.0 grams per kilogram of body weight per day. If you're adding strength training, resistance training, you want to build a little bit of muscle, then I think you need to bump it up to about 2.2 grams per kilogram of weight. And you could probably go as high as um, 1.2 grams of, per pound of body weight. So us Americans, this might be an easy conversion for you. You know, take your body weight. Uh, or at least projected healthy body weight and multiply that by 1.2 grams. And that could be the high end of your protein intake if you are truly putting in the work, meaning you're lifting heavy things, you're doing the resistance training, you're getting out there in the gloom, and you're really pushing your body. If you're not doing all that, if you're more sedentary or if you're just posting a, a, a little less or not as much, probably closer to that 1.5 grams per kilogram range would probably be more appropriate for you uh, when it comes to that. So um, there is thought out there about too much protein is bad. Um, Protein, you know, too much red meat is bad, lead to all these cancers. You know, folks, the the bottom line is you could support any narrative that you want with any research out there. Um, The reality is a lot of this research um, is epidemiological in nature, meaning it's observational. Um, These aren't things that are done in a random controlled double-blind placebo test where they're kind of taking this diet versus that diet and showing definitively this is what's better or not better. Um, Basically what happens is somebody will observe uh, uh, a population over the course of time and make conclusions, and they'll say, well, wow, this this population has low heart disease. Oh, and I also noticed that they don't eat a lot of meat. Well, that doesn't mean eating low or not not a lot of meat uh, causes low heart disease because you can also go to a population and say, hey, this population has low heart disease and oh, oh my gosh, the majority of their population eats meat. So if you think about that, it just doesn't make sense. What typically occurs, and this is where you know, the vegan lifestyle and the vegetarian lifestyle sometimes get touted as quote-unquote more healthy, it's because those individuals that are choosing those lifestyles also uh, typically choose other lifestyle factors that are advantageous as well. So what do I mean by that? Well, if you're somebody that's that serious about your diet, that you're willing to look at everything that you eat, you're going to eliminate all these things, you're going to go plant-based, if you will, you're going to... Um, really be vigilant about that, you probably are also going to do some other things around your health. You may even sleep, you know, you may choose a new pattern around sleep. You may increase your exercise. You may decrease artificial colors and sweeteners. You may choose not to eat as many trans fats or potato chips. In other words, there's a possibility that you're doing some other things that are resulting in your health benefits instead of just the fact that you eat only vegetables or you avoid all meat. So again, I know that's controversial and I know I may ruffle some feathers here, but that's just truth. And uh, I just want to bust the myth that eating more protein is bad for you or it's going to hurt your body and all that kind of stuff. You know, another common myth that is touted is, well, too much protein puts too much strain on your kidneys and can lead to kidney disease. Well, there's really, again, no study that ever shows that. And what they're really alluding to is the phenomenon that happens when you eat protein. You know, so protein is comprised of nitrogen, carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen. Now, the body needs all those things, but what it does when, it, when you eat a protein molecule is it breaks all those things down. And it pulls all those things apart and uses what it needs for different processes. Well, nitrogen... Is used in many many processes, but if we have excess nitrogen, it can't sit around in our body because it becomes ammonia, and that is, you know, necessary. You know, could be toxic if you will to our brains and so forth. So what the body has to do is it has to get rid of it. It's got to get rid of that, and so what it does is it converts it um, to urea, and urea is then. Travel, you know the liver does that and then the, the the kidneys and then the urea is then transferred to the kidneys and the kidneys filter out in our urine so people think well if i eat a lot of protein hence excess nitrogen well now my body has to do something with that excess nitrogen and so it's got to produce more urea and more urea makes my filtration rate um you know more complicated or more strained. And therefore I may put strain on my kidneys and therefore I might have kidney damage by eating too much protein. Well, again, yes, I can understand the thought process there, but that doesn't mean that that's exactly what's happening. Our bodies are brilliantly designed to do what it needs to do to, 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 to use what it needs to use. And Just because the body's filtering out more urea doesn't mean that it's under strain. In fact, the opposite argument can be made. It says, like, um, just like exercise, the more you exercise, the stronger your body gets. So you could also say, well, the more urea our kidneys have to filter, the stronger our kidneys get. So again, um, it's just one of those thought processes. Either way, um, you know, uh, there's no scientific proof, I guess. Now, if you have a kidney disease, if you have something that... um, Uh, is already pre-exposed or pre-existing where your kidneys don't do a really good job, maybe adding a lot of protein is not a good idea. So I will just say that disclaimer here. If you already have a kidney disease or poor working kidneys, maybe adding a ton of protein would be a little bit of a strain on your body. But if you're a completely healthy human being and you are looking to build muscle and you're looking to get strong, then, in my opinion, adding additional protein to your diet is not going to be detrimental. So what does a diet look like? Um, I kind of alluded to this a couple times already today but uh, I would suggest at least two meals a day with at least 30 grams of protein Um, You know, at at the bare minimum you could add a third meal or fourth meal if you want but uh, at least that much if you're looking to get a lot of protein in your day you could either do two meals that have a lot more than that 30 grams or do some supplementation. This is where something like a branch chain amino acid supplement uh, after a workout could be another source of the protein. You drink it away protein shake in the middle of the afternoon is another way of getting that protein intake um, outside of those two quote unquote meals. Um, another thing to think about is the other macronutrients such as carbohydrates and fat so a lot of times people talk about a balanced diet or there's a lot of talk around a ketogenic diet so you're, you're eating a lot of good fat you're eating protein you're restricting carbohydrates the bottom line is this the, the, the research has shown that individuals who eat a protein centric diet so if proteins your main um, thought process and then you either add carb or you add fat you're both of them are going to provide you in my opinion, in in a metabolic state, what we need to to get. People get in trouble when they avoid protein and they eat lots and lots of carbohydrates and fat. The combination of carbohydrate and fat is where people get in trouble. But if we plan our meals around a protein source and then either add carbohydrate or we add fat, then you're going to have that metabolic result that you're looking for um uh, for most of the time. So that's where people kind of get in trouble is they eat a lot of fat and they eat a lot of carbohydrates. You know, something like a potato trip or a lot of a lot of french fries or something like that. That's that's not going to provide you health uh, or or the weight loss goals that you're looking for. So my goal and when I coach people, we talk about eating a good source of protein either adding good carbohydrates to that meal or good fat, there's time and place to add all of them, you know, especially when we're talking about carbohydrates coming from vegetables or something like that. Uh, But what most people do is they get in trouble when they eat a lot of carbs and a lot of fat and limit the protein consumption. Um, Intermittent fasting, we talked about um, a little bit already, but if your strategy is to um, lose weight or um, you know, if you're overweight and you're trying to gain muscle at the same time, kind of change that physique, intermittent fasting can be very powerful from that. We talked about that, that mTOR thing. So mTOR is turned on by exercise. It's turned on by um, eating so much of that leucine. Uh, and protein, but it's turned off when we intermittent fast. And there's a time to break down, there's time to build. And so that's a nice one-two punch if you're intermittent fasting and getting those adequate sources of protein in the diet. In fact, I had just heard a, a podcast uh, where Terry Crews uh, was interviewed, you know, the actor, author, TV host. Uh, and he mentioned that he, he's he been doing intermittent fasting consistently for over 10 years and if anybody can picture Terry Crews, I mean, he is the epitome of health and strength and bodybuilding and, and, and muscularity, and uh, masculinity, rather. Um, and uh, so, you know, obviously you can build muscle and look great doing intermittent fasting. So, you know, let me encourage you, if that's what you're already doing, to stick with it. If you like it, just maybe add some more protein and be more intentional about your heavy lifting. Um, you do um, need to add calories to build muscle you know when when we're trying to build something it needs building blocks so it is okay to consume a little more calories when we're in the muscle building phase um you know so what does that look like from a grams perspective so an eight ounce steak for instance has about 44 grams of protein uh ground beef if it's an 80 20 percenter if you will uh, about four ounces is 20 grams so you know you could add a few extra ounces to get that 30 gram threshold when it comes to kind of building a protein base. And then, of course, you know, other animal sources, fish, chicken, turkey, bison, all that fun stuff are other options to use. So I know I talked a lot, and I probably spewed a bunch of information that was unnecessary, but I just wanted to try to give as much information as I could and, and try to just give you a peek behind the curtain of, of of what it takes to build muscle and why you might want to consider doing it so i 'm currently in a muscle building phase I, I wanted to build some muscle i 'm currently added about six to eight pounds of muscle in the last six to eight weeks. And that's because I'm eating more protein, I'm lifting some heavier weight, and I'm not doing intermittent fasting um, every single day anymore. I'm picking and choosing my days, and so I'm adding a little bit of that bulk. And, um, you know, uh, my goal is strength right now. I want to add a little bulk, and I want to reach some strength goals. And then once I do that, then I'll kind of reassess as far as maintenance or maintaining or or whatever else I want to do on the back end. And that's the fun thing about health right? We, we, we're constantly trying to achieve better results and new results. And, and, and that's what's fun about it. But in uh, any case, this episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. If you have questions, I know some of you will, please don't hesitate again to email me at bones at huntforwellness.com or shoot me a, a DM on Slack or the Twitter sphere uh, at HFW podcast or at Tunis Hunt. Um, you know, I'll be happy to answer any questions I can. But uh, in any case, I hope this message served you. I hope all of you go out and build some muscle, get strong, become the men and women that you know you can be, and the physique that you want to have. And until that next podcast, this has been Dr. Tunis Hunt guiding you on your hunt for wellness. Thanks for listening to the Hunt for Wellness podcast. Please rate and review our show, and be sure to share it with your F3 brothers. As always, we are looking for inspiring stories to share and health experts to interview. So if that's you, please reach out to me at bones at huntforwellness.com, on the nation Slack at Bones, or Twitter at HFW Podcast. And until next time, this has been Bones guiding the packs of F3 Nation on their hunt for wellness.